Welcome to All Access Network Podcast. So excited that you decided to join us. You will absolutely love and you're in for a treat for today's guest. Uh, we are on a mission to positively impact the world through sports and culture. We're a multimedia network, we're a YouTube channel, uh, a podcast, and we also have live shows. Uh, if you haven't followed us on YouTube, you can find us at uh, All Access Network. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, you can find us at All Access underscore net, uh, where we also do some of our live shows uh, along with Facebook at All Access Network. But so excited to have you with us today. Uh, we love for people to be able to write their story, uh, leave their mark, and create their legacy. We're on a mission. We appreciate you joining us. And again, please share, like, and subscribe uh, whenever you get a chance. And stay on this journey with us. It's going to be an awesome ride. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. Today we sit down with Nick Grant, player development specialist, author, mentor, and life coach. Nick's always grown up around the game. He has so much to offer, not only as a basketball coach, but as a leader, and his new book is Changing the Game, God in Basketball. Can't wait for you to learn more about Nick Grant. Okay, welcome to All Access Coaches Corner, Rising Coaches. If you have not been yet to risingcoaches.com, please check it out. A uh, ton of great features, ton of great uh, things for coaches to be able to network and grow and evolve in the game. So one of the biggest coaching trees in, in uh, the college basketball world, if not the biggest one. So definitely check it out. Feel free to put your information in the chat so you can share, uh, network, and connect to other coaches. Uh, super excited to have our first player development uh, coach um, slash 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 we'll get to his slashes in just a minute but slash we definitely don't want to put him into a box but that is something he's specializes in uh, Nick Grant out of Dallas Texas and I will let Leonard Perry uh, former guest all access coaching corner family uh, Dallas legend introduce him first and then I'll get started um, it's my honor to, uh, to be a part of it and part of this and uh, get a chance to introduce this, this young man. Um, he was born into this business. His dad was a longtime legend, uh, basketball coach from the city of Dallas, been at Division I schools, SMU, Oklahoma State, uh, been to the Final Four. Uh, so this young man has been a the coaching side, the player development side, um, in every aspect, at every level you could possibly be at. He's worked with pros, NBA players. He's developed college players. Um, he's been on 
uh, high major staffs at places like Iowa State, um, really could be a head Division One basketball coach um, if that's what he chose to do. Um, has an uncanny ability um, to relate to players. Um, players trust him. They work really hard for him. They'll meet him anywhere in the world to better their games. Um, and just an outstanding human being. Um, he and his sister are just great people. Um, I've known his family for a long time, but Rick Graham is special in this business. We not have enough of them. Um, guys that as coaches, if I have a player, or my players want to work with Nick Graham, I, I, I just relax. I go, I move on to the next thing. I don't worry about what he's teaching, how he's teaching. Um, I know it's going to be taught the right way. I know he teaches kids how to buy into to systems, to programs, do things the right way, respect um, their coaches, uh, and respect the game. So without further ado, um, Nick Graham, the best in the business. Um, I, I know there are a lot of development guys out there and guys that claim to be this, that, and the third. But this one, for, for my 30 years in this business and knowing him the entire time, this one is the best one that I've seen. So Nick Graham. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, Coach. Appreciate you sharing that. Uh, spoke a lot of truth, all truth on Nick. I've known Nick for majority of my career. Met Coach uh, Graham when he was actually college coaching at a small um, NAI school, Missouri Baptist. Uh, we got linked up back then. His dad, uh, legendary coach himself, still has coaches Dallas and Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. Uh, had great players along his way all the way through with a former head coach at Washington State uh, amongst other places where Nick played for his dad there at Washington State and uh, yeah I can speak for, for Judge as they call him he uh, he actually recruited a kid I coached Jonathan Simmons when I was in junior college uh, assistant for Ross Harris Junior College and uh, that's when I first got to know Judge so uh, I've been Linked to Coach's family, Coach Grant's family for a long time, but have really gotten a chance to get to know Nick on a personal level. Uh, I was transitioning from out of college basketball to working to do some skill development stuff myself. Nick actually linked me up really big time with uh, he had to really help me kind of get going in that space. Uh, and then I realized I wasn't Nick Graham. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't at the same level. Uh, it wasn't what my calling was, but we've been we've been close friends ever since. I consider him to be family. Uh, he's a man that is all about uh, holistic development of the athlete, not just doing skills and drills, uh, but also, you know, developing character, developing leadership. And uh, the part I probably love the most of all of that is he's developing faith in these young men too. So really excited about Nick and being on the platform. I think there's so many different dimensions that he can add value to all of us. Um, so, uh, yeah, just looking forward to it. So, next, without further ado, we'll let you start. I'll take you real quick. So, we'll have a quick little interview, and then after that, we'll go uh, and have question and answer. And after the question and answer, we'll let him do some basketball breakdown, followed by what's going So, thanks so much for joining today. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Wait, say that again. I'm sorry. No, I said go go ahead and get started. No, I just uh, like one one for me. Like man, like having Coach Perry say that. Like man, like that that means something to me because 
um, Coach Tubbs, man. I know, like, Coach Tubbs, we have that connection. And Coach Tubbs, Jimmy Tubbs, a Texas legend, uh, my dad was best man in my dad's wedding and, you know, helped make me not just the basketball coach but the man I am, you know. And just to hear him say that about me, it makes me feel good about, like, representing Coach Tubbs. Coach Tubbs, unfortunately, passed away uh, way too early. And, uh, you know, I know it hit Coach Perry like it hit me, but, like, before he passed, we were talking every day because it was my first year coaching college. And I needed men to talk every day. And so I just wanted to, you know, first express how much that meant to have somebody like that say something and just acknowledge somebody that meant so much to both of Yeah, no, awesome stuff. So we'll get started. Uh, what's uh, what's something you've learned about yourself or your family that's kind of entertaining or funny during this uh, during this COVID kind of stay at home order? So what I've learned about my family, unfortunately, I found out my dad likes the Lifetime Movie Network. <laughs> so you know he loves basketball and all this, and every time I look up, he's watching the Lifetime Movie Network. My mom got him hooked, but he watches it more than her. But, um, you know, like on a serious note, I found out about my family. I'm single. I don't have any kids yet, but just my family. Just uh, how much joy we have for one another, how much we love one another, how resilient we are. So that's been cool. Um, and then just being able to, like, uh, invest in one another's interests. You know, my mom likes to cook. So, like, once a week I try to cook with her. Uh, you know, my dad, he has, a, he has a man cave with a TV out on the patio. So we get out there and I listen to him, uh, saying like he's in temptations, which can be unbearable at times, but it's a cool father son deal. And then my sister's just taking over, um, Dallas with her, with her brand. So just kind of helping her, um, grow as an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for, you know, since 2010. So just being able to like have that bond. So just being able to share one another's one another's interests and just um, just really kind of it's one thing to love the people you're close with, but I feel like it's almost like time is still with the quarantine where you're able to like take more time to like express that action where they can feel that love. So that's kind of been the best part for me. Yeah, awesome for all of us to be able to invest awesome. in our family uh, during this time, man. Tell us about your journey. Tell us how you got to where you are now. Tell us about playing for your dad. Yeah, so, like, my journey is, uh, like Coach Perry said, like, I, I had no choice. Basketball chose me. You know, I was a daddy's boy, um, so I just wanted to be around my dad. And my dad, um, like, a, like a lot of, especially minority coaches, you know, like, got to put in a lot of work. So, in order for me to bond with my dad, that meant going to the gym, which – I had no problem. He had a bond with my dad. I remember when I was young enough, you know, he had his favorite recliner, like a lot of young, like a lot of, you know, guys with their house. When I was young enough, I would sit in the recliner and listen to him recruit. And I think that's why I'm able to connect with players and parents and stuff like that. So, you know, like I was never taught the game. I just kind of like absorbed the game. You know, it's kind of like cooking something in the crock pot versus the microwave. Like how I learned the game was just slow. And just that flavor of just basketball. And so, like, with, with my dad, you know, like, just being around him. Just he started out when I was two, he was a coach at SNU. So my first memories were that, you know. It was cool on Father's Day. You talk about quarantine. 
one of the things I did for Father's Day, I found a bunch of uh, YouTube from like 1985, SMU versus North Carolina. SMU had John Conkak and Butch Moore. I know Coach Perry remembers those names and downtown Johnny Fuller and guys like that. Uh, North Carolina had Kenny DeJet Smith and watching with my dad. And then, you know, my dad's biggest basketball mentor and really mine in a lot of ways was Coach Sutton. And so when Coach Sutton passed, we went to YouTube again and watched my dad's favorite games and watching him with big country and, and different things like that. So, you know, that's kind of how I was, I was taught the game. You know, it was almost intimidating. I never thought I was as good a player as I was because when I was, you know, 12 years old, I was a ball boy sitting on the, on the basket watching Paul Pierce and watching Ray France and watching this guy and that guy, watching Chauncey Billups and people like that. So I never really thought I was good because when I was 15, I was comparing myself with Paul Pierce. So it kept me humble. But it also showed me at a young age, which makes sense why I'm a trainer. So I remember there was a guy named Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson would have been a first-round pick, uh, but he tore up his knee at the NBA draft combine. Adrian Peterson, to me, was an amazing player. I was like, I could work as hard as I could. I'll probably never be that good. I saw how I saw how humble he was. And to see how hard he worked on a daily basis and then to watch Paul Pierce come in there and just, like, kick his ass, like, really opened my eyes at a young age to be like, yo, this is how hard you have to go. And so that's kind of, you know, kind of how I got into basketball. I always knew that I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to – I mean, I was – that was – was I, of course one much time with my dad and then coach Sutton was uh my dad's boss from 92 to 99 I was 12 to 18 he did what a lot of bosses wouldn't you know at that level let people do like I was in the locker room uh before the game at halftime after the game whether they won whether they lost I was in an office I traveled with them I was at practice every day you know, so like to see that from a Hall of Famer. And if that wasn't good enough, then you got Bill Self. You got Tim Jankovich. And then to go home with my dad. And so I just fell in love, obviously, with basketball at a young age. But as I grew in that space, I fell in love with the development and the teacher and the teaching. Bill Self was a teacher. My dad was a teacher. Coach Sutton was a teacher. It wasn't necessarily the X's and O's. It was like taking these guys and getting the best out of them as basketball players and men. And so, like, I've just got, tried to take that and, you know, kind of more or less take the baton they've given me and run with it. Yeah, no, that's great, Coach. Um, definitely have been around some of the greats in the game, some of the giants in the game, uh, including your father. So, yes, it definitely almost have no choice but to, but to pick up some of the great things you picked up. Uh, tell us about just the player development aspect of what you do. We'll get into all the dimensions, but tell us just about that part specifically, if you don't mind. Yeah, so to me, uh, you know, player development, my, bad, my career uh, in college, it didn't go well. Uh, man, I don't know if you saw, like, the Eddie Sutton story with Sean. Like, I could definitely re- – uh, resonate with that. Like I put way too much pressure on myself. Uh, um, and like, so, like every time, like if I miss a free throw, my dad's going to get fired. You know, imagine playing with that much pressure. And then I'm trying to like fit in with the guys. I'm trying to not be the coach's son. And like, it was just extremely tough. And I think what happened 
happened was is when I saw my son, Nick is good. You know what I mean? You know, because I, I put a mask on like everything was good. The other players, they were kind of envious of my relationship with me off the court. So I didn't like if, if coach was getting in, in my butt in practice, there wasn't a teammate riding or die. Assistant coaches just assume like, well, you know, that's Paul, son. He's got him. So I felt really, really lonely. I didn't have that person to lift me up and, and do those things. And, and so, like, for me, like, player development, I don't want anybody to ever feel alone like that. That's kind of my why, you know, like to somebody to just always be there, someone, someone to push you, someone to have that connection. The thing about player development that I love is it's extremely intimate. It's, a, it's just a different connection that you have with players because of the intimacy. When you think about player development, those players are trusting you with what they cover the most. The most important thing to them is their basketball game. So when you respect that and you covet that and you help them be the best player, guess what? They trust you not just with basketball. They trust you with, in my case, as a, a faith mentor with their faith. They trust you to listen on every other front. And so for me, um, I feel like that's my best contribution in basketball is in the player development space because leveraging the influence. When you can take a player, like uh, like I'm going to use Lindell when we start talking about basketball stuff, Lindell Wigginson. Lindell Wigginson, when I was at Iowa State, uh, was the first five-star recruit, and he couldn't handle the pressure. It was too much. Because of everything I went through as a player alone, being on that island, other people didn't recognize the pressure that he was carrying on the inside. I did. Just had a simple talk with him. And through that, I developed this trust. We started getting in the gym. He started killing. Next thing you know, he's trusting me to help develop him as a man. So that's kind of like my niche in kind of this basketball space. You're good. Tell us a little bit about the other things you do. I know you do holistic training. I know you do some things with nutrition. I know you got a book that's coming out. Tell us, a, before we get into question and answer with the audience and then your presentation, tell us a little bit about the other things you do uh, other than just yeah, so, like, for me, like I mentioned earlier before we got cut off, like, for me, uh, the basketball, Coach Sutton, myself, um, basketball is always uh, a vehicle to help you be a better man or woman. I, I, I enjoyed it. I worked with a lot of females as well. I think that's important. I really felt like I, I, before Kobe left, I thought it was cool how much he contributed and embraced the, the female game. Um, so... But that, I just kind of take off on that. And so um, that was just always what I did and what I've done. And God has blessed me with great leaders. I feel like you can't uh, – I did an Instagram Live with Chauncey Billups. If anybody wants that video, I'll uh, send it to you and I'll encourage you because he is uh, the best the best leader in sports that I know. Um, it's really influenced me. But even him, just like – so like a lot, as coaches, you know, you're disciples and people that help mold you. For me in player development, it was constantly, and it was always about helping, you know, the players be better men, better women, especially our minorities, and preparing them for what awaits. So, like, if I was going to do that, it had to be more than basketball. For me, you know, you, you guys talked to my dad. So, you know, I, I just thought that I was going to be a shoe-in, you know, traditional college coach. There's a reason that God gave me this lane and this space because I was supposed to do more. And so, you know, and not only that, he gave me experiences in working with Chauncey Billups, working with Trey Young, and being Jimmer for debts, um, training for the last six years and different people like that to like really see what greatness is, whether you're a basketball player, an astronaut, or a doctor. 
Um, you know, so like, yeah, so that led me to write the book, um, a book of uh, basketball thing uh, devotionals. One of the things that I saw at, 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 when I was at Iowa State, um, and those of you guys that haven't been around a college game in a long time, um, it's 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 tough on these kids as it's ever been in terms of the demands on their time, in terms of the social media attention, in terms of dealing with that. But there's not a lot of mental development, mental maturity. We're, we have to look ourselves in the mirror. Sports is 80% mental, 20% physical. We all say that, but what are we doing to develop them mentally? And so for me in my space, like I just want to create like a holistic thing to develop them, to allow them to be able to handle the pressures that come with basketball and to prepare them for the platform that comes with basketball and to prepare them for what comes after basketball. So that's kind of been my mission and my why. No, that's great, Coach. The, uh, that's great, Coach. The time, uh, you're going to share a little bit more with us about your time in the Big 12 uh, and kind of some of the things you implied and it's still there. But before we get to the basketball presentation, let's just open it up for questions from the audience. Uh, we'll take two or three, maybe four questions, and then we'll get to your basketball presentation. So if you want to, just go ahead and unmute and then go ahead and uh, – Tell us your name and where you're from, and then we'll go straight to uh, your question. Coach, Brant Daniels. Um, I'm up in Wisconsin right now. I, I guess my question to you was, what was the um, most difficult part of the transition for you going from coaching at the college level into training? Yeah, uh, no, that's a good question. So uh, there, there's uh, like kind of emotional and then just kind of real world living. Um, emotional, like you gotta, you gotta give up something to get something. Um, when you're away, it's almost like you're the head coach, you have that freedom. Um, you don't have to explain anything to anybody. Um, you get to connect with the players on a, on a different, uh, like a more intimate level. But what you don't get, man, is that competition. You know, I really miss that. You know, it's nothing like preparing. It's nothing like even when you lose to be, be with that group of guys and be in the locker room and learn how to pick yourself up and get back on the practice floor. You know, like I remember when I got back into coaching at Iowa State, those of you guys that are coaching, man, don't take for, for granted the bus rides. To me, the bus ride on a, on a road game from the hotel to the gym is one of the most sacred things. Nobody says a word, but everybody, it's like one heartbeat. We know what we're feeling. Nobody says anything. Everybody gets in their zone, it's in the eye, give them a handshake, and, and you don't say a word, but you know what it means, and you get ready to go fight in front of a few thousand or maybe even 20,000, you know, and, and all the work that you put in, like there's nothing like that. And so just not having that. Um, but then from a like real world, to like make a business a training. I, I'm at a place where I, I mentor from a business standpoint. There's a lot, a lot of people that know to, to go from just being a workout guy, which I can't stand that. Like, I feel like I put in too much time to just be a workout guy. Um, to go from being a workout guy to a player development professional that can make a living. I mean, it's hard. You, it, it's scary. It was the hardest thing I ever did. Um, I was staying on the couch. I was 
homeless. I was a lot of that, but I believe that this, I believe that I could make a living doing it. So just to fight through that, uh, you know, starting your own business, you know, a lot of us is, is it, we grew up in basketball, so we know basketball, but we don't really understand the entrepreneurial skills. So you have to learn those kind of on the run, figure it out. And it's just like, starting your brand, starting a business where you can legitimately make money and support yourself from scratch. It's like taking a job, um, like my dad was talking about at Washington State when you're in a Pac-10. Like, you, you don't have a lot of people wanting to help you out. You don't have a lot of people wanting to connect. I'm, I was just as good a trainer when I started off as I was when I got connected with Chauncey Billups. I would go, I remember when I first started, I got these flyers, I was feeling good about myself. I went to the state tournament in, in Colorado. I remember passing out flyers to nine-year-old kids. And to nine-year-old kids, take a flyer and try to go through that. I remember calling coaches, staying up, like, you know, just trying to find email addresses. The way, the way that you guys as college coaches go recruit, I'm going to, like, eighth-grade AAU tournaments with my logo on, trying to connect, and people blowing me off. And then I remember once I finally started making a name for myself and working out with Chauncey Phillips and Jimmer Fredette and Trey Young. I ain't had no problem getting gym time. I ain't have no problem connecting connecting with high school people. So it's a lot of the same stuff. I think the one thing that's different, man, is that it's just you. You know what I mean? Like when you're when I have a staff, you know what I'm saying? It was just me by myself, and, and it was a very lonely, lonely deal. You know, but I found out a lot about myself. So I would say those two things. And then probably the last thing, it's a lot harder to professionally professionally develop. You know, like you guys have coaches at other schools and this and that with the, with player development. It's a lot harder to professionally develop because you put so much time in the basketball, but also the business. And then there's a lot of people that they don't want to share, you know, because they're so protective and territorial. So I would say those three things are the most were the most challenging. Cool, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, great question too. And I remember, I remember driving from Utah to go visit Nick in Denver and stay with him for a few days. And he put on uh, a pretty big event, and I got to watch some individual workouts and been able to see firsthand how he's grown his business, grown his brand, uh, and went from kind of in those early stages to building something where he's working with pros and NBA guys uh, on a regular. So. Uh, definitely salute to that and uh, appreciate you coming on and share today, Coach, because you're right. A lot of people don't necessarily want to do that. Uh, Coach Perry, I think you had a question next. We'll take one more after Coach Perry and we'll get his presentation started. I got I got a twofold question for you. You touched on one part of it a little bit earlier, Nick, with the how hard it is to play for your dad in Division One, um, And I want to hear on both sides of it. But the first part of my question is, um, as you are doing your development program with these guys, you're, you're in Generation Z. You're in them. You're, you're, that's who you're dealing with. Um, what, what types of things do yep. you touch on and teach? Because um, it took me forever to learn that um, when uh, a child is, say, maybe six to ten years old and his parents um, decide to divorce or break up or they don't make it, um, that kind of toll it takes on the kid um, later on. So you're dealing with this and you get it in intimate moments as you're, as you're building your programs with them, as you're spending this intimate time with them, as you're getting them better, as you're building trust. 
Um, what are you saying now with the social uh, issues that we have in front of us? How are you? How are you coaching them in that mental space right now? And what are you seeing back from them right now? What are those emotions, uh, feelings coming back to you right now? And then I'll ask the the second part. Yeah, no, nah, I love that question. Uh, so to me, I think that like with what I do, and and part of why I wanted to come here is because I think there needs to be more synergy between people that do what I do seriously and you guys as college coaches because we can help each other. Because like you said, like in order for me uh, to be to thrive in my business, I don't get to just uh, like say for example, college coach. If this kid is an all-conference player or you guys are winning, right, you may get away with neglecting this kid. I can't do that with what I do, right, especially because a lot of the kids that I work with aren't going to be very good. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I have to be able to have that connection. Staying, if you want to make this a business and all you can do is train the high-level players, right, the five-star players, you're not going to go very far. The people that kept my lights on, they're not playing basketball. Joey Yamana, this kid in Colorado, was working at a bank. And so, and what's crazy is, is like, I don't know why I picked his name, but he's a perfect example. You know, like, he was struggling with a relationship with his mom. He comes to me, and he listens to me. You know, just having that. So, so for me, I think that somebody that does well with what I do, like, we have to be great at our emotional IQ. And that's why I think that, like, even when I was at Iowa State, I was able to contribute to that staff because, you know how it is, the college coach are able to put my blinders on. And I think that's why there's a disconnect between the college coaches and this generation because they are in tune with their feelings, right? They are, you and I talked about mental health issues, right? And so, like, for me, like, even Lindell, Lindell looks like a headweight boxer, but he was so fragile on the inside, and he tried to be a tough guy. And as soon as I said, I went to Lindell and I was like, and you don't want to see them hurt. I know that you're hurt. Do you trust me? Yeah. So you can you can trust me with your hurt. Man, as soon as I said that, it looked like this weight was released off his shoulders. And he just poured out his soul. Just like I couldn't get him to shut up. He went the next game. And had a monster double-double was the first time he played well as a freshman. And it was all because I feel like that emotional IQ. They were watching film with him. They were working on his jump shot. But it wasn't that like, hey, are you okay kind of thing. So I think that you can't be afraid to, you know, open that door up, you know, as a leader. And so, like, yeah, I had to in terms of, like, where we're at now. The other thing is, is, like, these kids aren't afraid to step up and, and say how they fund injustices. And I think they're more selfless. Like, it's not just about them. It's about, like, I'm going to start player, but you're mistreating this player right here. You know, like, players, I mean, I've seen so many players that have mental health issues, and they don't feel like they can come to their coach because they feel like their coach is going to look at them as soft. I've I've heard that tons of times. So just being able to create that, uh, create that, that space where they trust them. I tell people all the time to be a good player development. It's just like dating somebody. I see a lot of people, they try to train a kid. Like they don't know you. They're not going to open up to you. You got to Like it's time after time. I got to be consistent and show up. And yeah. time, even when I worked out with Jimmer, 
when I first started working out with Jim, I was just his trainer, right? By the next year, he's talking to me about his kids. He's talking to me about the stretch that I go to the NBA and this, the pressures and like this, but just kind of nurturing that relationship off of the court. And then playing with my dad, like I definitely think that that helped me, you know, because like I said, I was that person. You know, that overthought everything and understanding like, man, if I, what did I need during that time? Yeah. You know, and, and I just try to give them what I, what I needed at that time. Somebody to talk to, somebody yeah. to listen. I was the hardest work. I didn't want to make excuses, you know, so, you know, that, that would be how I'd answer that. Thank you. Um, the second part of my question is this, and this is for you and your dad. Um, I think in college sports, maybe even in high school, um, Coach Graham could answer better. But one of the most, one of the toughest things to do in sports is to coach your child. Um, there's so many different dynamics that go into it. You and your father had a chance to um, work with each other. Uh, and you play for him at, at Washington State. Can you guys talk about how tough that is to do? Because I don't think people understand that Coach Graham has still got to go into, if he plays you six minutes in a game and you don't win that game, when Coach Graham goes into a post-game a post game press conference, he's going to have to explain those six minutes, okay? If he has a booster alumni function, and he plays you 12 minutes in a game, he's going to have to explain those 12 minutes. Now, it's a little bit different in the sense that he's talking about his son, but the, the booster and the alumni, they don't care. They want a reason why it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to turn out to. And you spoke on it a little bit earlier, how lonely it could be to be a coach's son, because coach, the coach feels like he's got to coach his son harder than anybody so he can coach the other players hard. And the players on the team sometimes feel like they never get a break from the head coach. So if you show up at the party, they like, oh, come on, man. You know, he's going to go back and tell his dad. You know, and I try to, exactly. I try to explain that um, to, to coaches that I work with that want to coach their sons. Like, it's so hard. It's so much harder than you think it is. Can you guys touch on that and then being African-American on top of the coaching where coach Graham was coaching like the, 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 un, yeah. the, the tough times that it can happen on both sides. Yeah. I, I'll go first to that. So like for me, um, I wish there was a manual for that. There's, that's one of those things in life. There's no manual for it. Um, and so like, yeah, I felt that pressure, you know, when you become grown, like I can definitely see it from my dad's eyes. I think my dad tried to protect me. And so, but you're going to get it both ways, right? So, like, I felt like um, he played was better than him, but I wasn't, like, so much better than him that it was just an absolute obvious choice, right? Yeah. But then what happens is when you don't play, then it's just like, well, why is he on scholarship? Yeah. So it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Right. And so, like, I definitely see that. I definitely felt like he tried to protect me because he knew that, like, if I go in there, like, you put a kid in there, like, he might he might go for 20, but he might get embarrassed. So I definitely felt that fatherly protection take over. And it definitely put, uh, like, a, it was a lot of friction in our relationship because of that. Um, and 
for me, my best year in Washington State was my freshman year because, like, that was the least pressure. The more he got on the hot seat, the more harder it was for me. The more he got on the hot seat, the more I took it personal. I got to go get up extra shots. And then, like you said, then I'm trying to deal with the psychological deal of fitting in, right? I just wanted to be one of the guys, right? Yeah. But, like, to your point, like, we're not going to go to the party. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. I'm not a snitch. I'm a player. I'm like, I know the, I know the line, but now that I'm older, I get it. Right. Um, and even, like, things where my dad – so, like, we're in the airport. You know how it is when we – when you when we were in Idaho, same thing. You fly yeah. to Seattle, you got that long layover. Yeah. So, my, like, we would be walking. Players, my dad would be sitting there. He would be like, like, Nick, come over here. She want to say she loves me or something. Yeah. So what do you think the players thinking? Yeah. So now they're alienating me even more. He probably snitching on us. Right. Like, what am I supposed to do when I talk to my mom? But see, I didn't even think about that. When that's what I say, you wish you had a manual for that, right? Yeah. And I remember, like, just to, like, make, you know, a funny story, but to, to drive home your point about trying to fit in, it got to the point where, we were in Oregon. I'm not sure you remember this. I think you were the head coach then at Idaho. And we go out to eat, and we're walking back to the hotel. And it's a, it's a club right next door to the hotel. Like, we're looking out at the club. Nia. <laughs> I like this lady's name. She says, man, you know, you guys can't speak tonight. So we We dismiss it. Don't think anything of it. Can't sleep. Looking out the window. Line getting bigger. Somebody was like, yo, let's go. Now, normally, I would never, never, never do that. But I'm at this place where I'm not fitting in with the guys. I'm not playing as much as I should. I was like, the hell with it. I'm not, you know, that was back before we charged. So, like, if we played on a Saturday, Saturday night, they go out. They never went out before the game, but this was just whatever reason. I never went out. I'd be on an airplane. They'd be talking about how fun it was. I'm like, damn, I ain't playing. So finally, I was like, I'm going to do it. Of course, the time that I go, we get, you know, we get caught. But it was just like living in that balance, trying to figure out where do I fit in and, and all that. So, yeah, definitely, we definitely went through that. You know that. Well, I, I, I tell you, Brian and, and all you guys, it was, it was very difficult my son. And I say that, Lance, from the standpoint is it's hard to separate coach and father. Because when I would put, when, when Nick would go in the game, for example, and he would do something, if I'm, I'm down in my coaching stance down there, but I'm really become a cheerleader for my son. And, you know, just me and the good loss, come on, Nick, make that shot. Come on, come on, Nick. You know, that's, that's what you end up doing. And then you try to establish the fact that because he's my son, I was probably too hard on him to prove a point to the other guys that just because he's my son, I'm going to get on him. And what happens, you end up saying some things or doing some things that's probably really hurting because I'm saying that's my son. He can handle it. Oh, that's my son. He can do it. So I want to make sure that I'm not giving him anything, that he's earned it. So you become maybe a little bit more uh, uh, hard on him and, and you become a cheerleader. So still, I'm his father. And, and maybe it was, there were times where I should have been more of a father than his coach, you know. 
and 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 I'm still his father, and I still gotta love him, and I still gotta nurture him, and I still. But it's so much, like he said, it's so much pressure on you because now here I am. I finally got a chance to be a Division One head coach, and I've reached my goal. And I know this as being a black man. I don't care if I'm at Washington State or if I'm at North Carolina, Kansas, or Duke. I got to produce. I'm not going to get another chance. I know I'm not going to get recycled. I'm not going to get, you know, this is it for me. So I got to make it work. You know that, Lynn. You got you to make this work. So therefore, you know, it's hard to, uh, and, unless you're an established guy, unless you feel, you know, you've you got some juice under your feet, I mean, it's hard to go home and be a good husband. It's hard to go home and be a good father. And, and, and I'm always thinking about what I'm going to do. Can I get my job? And so it was more difficult on not only Nick, but on my wife and on my uh, daughter, uh, you know, because it seemed like you always pissed off about something, you know? And, and so you just drive and you just study driving. And like Nick said, you know, he wants to fit in with the guys. And so they break curfew. And I'm sitting in my, and they get caught. And I'm sitting in my hotel room. I get a phone call at about three o'clock in the morning. They coach your whole basketball team is over here at, at, at the club. Assistant coach gets up, they bring them into my room, and they walk them in one by one. And they say, I said, y'all said it was six guys. And the, and the Nick was the last guy to come around in my room. And I said, man, you gotta be kidding me. Not my, not my own son. But me not understanding what he's going through because we didn't never to have we didn't have a lot of father son talks like we're doing right now. And he's 39 years old and I'm 69 years old. I'm damn near 70. So as I'm coaching him, we didn't have a lot of loving talks, you know, where we just sit down and hey man, how you doing, man? You all right, man? Everything okay? I'm more or less like, okay, Nick, you 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 division one player, you gotta earn it. I'm hard on you, and I know he's trying and doing the right thing. So it's very difficult. Uh, but I will tell all of you, if you ever coach your son, don't forget to love him and continue to be a father. I mean, you know, because that's what happens to you, Lynn. You, Brian, you forget to be a father and you study coaching, whether you're at home, whether uh, recruiting or whether you're in practice or whether you're in film session. You know, I, I would critique or criticize Nick on a film session. And I might tell the, the one son, when I got to Nick, I was more... Uh, cutting and biting and sarcastic, you know, saying things to him in front of everybody that I didn't say to other people. So it's, 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 it, it ain't easy, man. It ain't easy. And I say, this, I think if I was more of a father, he'd have been a, a, a better player because he was good. He, he was good. He started against Washington and Stanford. They had no more team in the country. Mike Montgomery said, man, that's, 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 that's the coach's son. We got going. He was shooting jump shots. He's doing things making plays. And I, and I know as I look back, I know he was trying to please me. You know, he was trying, that pressure was on him. So uh, again, to, not to elaborate all that, it's, it's tough to coach your son, guys, but don't forget to be a father, you know, when you're coaching. I hope that helped everybody. No, that was powerful. I appreciate, we appreciate you uh, both being that vulnerable to share that because that's an insight we wouldn't get otherwise. Uh, I know LP, you asked a Really good question. So thank you for that. Um, Nick, let's get to your, to your presentation. I know you got a lot of great stuff for us. I know everyone's probably anxious to learn from you and see uh, all the things that you do. So yeah, please, uh, if you don't mind. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna make it where you can. Um, 
share the screen? Yep. I should be. Yeah, you got a button here, so I you should be, you should be good to go now. All right. Um, We good? Uh, it's loading. You guys see it? Okay, yeah, we're good now. All right, you can hear me, right? Yep, yep. Okay. All right, so here's what we got. So, like, the first thing, you know, I, I, I'm gonna talk about, we talk about holistic development. That's kind of like my thing. That's what, what God's put on my heart. Um, I don't know why my computer's moving so slow. Let's see something. All right. We'll go here. That document is not showing up, huh? Uh, not yet. It's just kind of like your open folder. I don't know what's going on. See if this one will work. <clears throat> All right. All right. I, I think he's finally loading. So, like, this is kind of my thing holistic development, skill development, IQ, film breakdowns, character development, leadership, communication. That's kind of like where I feel like God is leading me. But this is actually what I did when I was at Iowa State organically. I didn't know this is what I was doing, but that's what I was doing when I talked about uh, my time with Lindell Wigginson. And hopefully this pops up. So... Uh, yeah. All right. This is my work with Lindell. Um, you know, I, I share with you guys a document um, what we need to work on. Let's see if I can get this lag out of here. All right. This is my work with Lindell. Um, you know, I, I share with you guys a document. Um, what we needed to work on. One of the things with him mentally is, you know, he hangs on a bad place. You can see him mentally. 
not get frustrated. And so that's one of the things that I knew we had to work on. I wanted to push him to make mistakes, but I also wanted to coach him through how to handle mistakes and stay within himself. But Lindell's game, his biggest strength is his athletic ability, the ability to stop and pop, stop on the dime. So what we really wanted to do was perfect that, really work on his snatchback move. Um, his ability plus Coach Prom's offense spread before we had a great point guard and Nick Bad that could get a, that could create a rotation, kick Liddell on the opposite side of the floor and find a way to attack that close up, get to the nail. That's where he's most comfortable. He got to the nail a few times, got in rhythm, then everything, it took the stress off his game and he was able to play. So here we are. I just want to work on him being able to be under control while stopping on the dime. So if he slows down, I'm already running. If he slows down, I'm able to get a hand. I'm going to pause it for about 10 seconds and try to let it let that lock, that lag catch up. Um, I just kind of – this is like – so I mentioned the holistic development, right? I showed you the graphic. And so, like, Lindell, like, you know, uh, Coach Perry teed me up perfect. You know, like, I was – I feel like I was able to contribute to getting the most out of Lindell as a player because I developed his trust first. Um, I developed his trust. I helped him out. And then after that, he trusted me with his game. When he trusted me with his game, his game went to the to the to a level he was going to get to get to that year, and then he began to even trust me more off the court, um, helping him. And so, like what I developed, I'll bring up like why this is loaded. And I, I'll go through a sheet. So, Coach Prom gave me the freedom to develop uh, in season development for the players. Um, I had in season develop uh, in season development for all the players. And through that, sorry about this, uh, through that, um, I use that time to not just develop them as players, but also develop them and just get to know them, like some of the things Coach Perry talked about, where they felt comfortable, open up. And the thing is, is like Coach Perry knows my dad knows, man, when players trust you, they all snitch on each other. So I was able to like know the temperature of the whole team. I knew which players were smoking. I knew which players were drinking. I knew which players were depressed. I knew all of that just because I developed the relationship, but I also knew what Landell needed and how to work with him. And so that's like, that's how I was able to put everything together. And to me, like my time at Iowa State showed that there needs to be more synergy between player development guys like myself and coaches, because I see the game in a different lens. And I think that's what this clip will show you. I look at it differently from the one-on-one player development, but that's constituted within the flow of a game. Whereas, like, Coach Prom looks at it like Lindell's struggling. I'm getting to the spots, but he can't pinpoint why. My time with Chauncey Willis, spending two to three years with him. My time working with Jimmer Fredette every summer. I'm able to pinpoint why. I can't tell you how many times after my workout where Jimmer and I was talking and just getting, just being a sponge, listening, picking his brain. You're talking about Jimmer Fredette, somebody who scored 80 points in the game, one of the most brilliant one-on-one players in the world. So because of my time with Coach Prome under his staff, I was able to take the best of both worlds and get Lindell to play, play at his optimum level. So let's see if we can get back on track, see if it's the ball and caught up. And obviously his counter is getting able to put it on the floor once, you, once they take his club away. One of the things that we work on, some of his corrective work, is his handle. His handle was tight. It was loose. Um, I was kind of surprised at how effective he was despite uh, having a loose handle. 
one of the things that we work on within the drill in our corrective work warming up a lot was fundamental ball handling and tight that in. Just really helping them get a feel for when to blow by somebody, when to stop and pop, when to engage with strength and get to his spots. We spent a lot of time with his floater as well, especially because they're over a defender again, working on that tight handle. When we first started, this handle wasn't that tight. Um, believe it or not, when we started, he wasn't physical. So we really wanted to work on him. Uh, being able to be physical without being out of control. And as you can see, what made me feel good is our work translator right here. Stop and pop and just be able to elevate it over the defense. Get to the nail, stop and pop. This is game. That's what we wanted to perfect. And create a closeout, get to the nail, so explosive. Great body control. This is not his strength necessarily on his team getting off the ball. And attacking it now. So, yeah, I, okay, perfect. I'm glad that worked. So we got that. So apologize for the technical difficulties. But so, like, um, you know, once kind of uh, – I was fortunate because David Hobbs was at Iowa State. Um He's an OG, coached at Alabama in the 90s. He's my dad's age, just an old school dude. And he told Chrome, he was just like, if you want to really optimize Nick, you need to let him do this. He can really, he has a gift to help these players. So, like, Coach Prom gave me a lot of freedom to develop in season player development. And again, and, you know, just so blessed because of being Chauncey Bill's disciple. Chauncey, like, took me under his wing and told me how to train players in the season, off the season, things to think about, saving their legs. And one thing that Chauncey always did, Chauncey is obviously a great leader, but when we work out, guys, it's a it's a ther mental therapy session. And I took that away, but they don't even know that he's helping them in that space because their guard's down because they're just hooping. He gets them to talking. And one of the things that I learned from Chauncey, he always encouraged me to stay in shape keep my game polished. One of the coolest things about our relationship was that we would get in the gym and work out. Obviously, I'm old. He's really old, so it wasn't that long. But, like, we wanted to stay sharp. So now, a lot of times, we would actually jump in to work out with players. And I asked him about that. And he's like, one, like, when you can do stuff and you're making it look easy, there's a certain level of respect. But then the other thing he said is, is like when you're working, you don't necessarily look at you as coach player, it's player to player, and they feel more comfortable talking. So I definitely applied that with Lindell. So there was like maybe once a week where I would get in the workout with him. All right, we're going to make 10 as a group. We're, we're cheering each other on. 
Next thing you know, he's talking to me like I'm a teammate. And so this is in my in-season player development, and I'm going to send this as a link if you want to use it, but it's 30 to 40 minutes, game speed, minimizing running to stay fresh for practice, mental development. Like I said, as coaches, right, we all say school. is 80% is doing these kids a disservice because what are we doing to develop the mental, right? So whenever if I get 30 to 40 minutes with a kid and I'm only working on the physical and not the mental, he's not going to be ready to go to Fall Gallon Field House. He's not going to be ready to play two games in one week um, against really good competition. Understand the roles and concepts. Checking the temperature of the players and the team and creating a safe space where they can feel comfortable open. I took the players' names off just for privacy reasons um, because we had – oh, it's going to – come on, don't freeze up. We had uh, we had some guys on the team that, you know, they had issues. And so, you know, like they all – I had – I did this every week. What's their mental uh, – what's their – what is – there we go. Good, so that's one deal. So what's their mental issues? Like we had a couple guys, you know, they, they couldn't – you know, they, they like to drink and party. So, like – my thing was for them was like really helping them, you know, stay focused and, and make good decisions. Like if we don't do anything with that workout, but get them in a mental place like that, we're going to do that. But like we just saw Lindell's clip. Now you can see where my notes when I was working with Lindell, his body language, being early. To, so like Lindell, you could even see there when he would lose the ball, he would struggle. He would pout. He would act like, a, like he did in high school. Bro, this is the this is the Big Twelve. Like we got to, you got to get back on defense. Marcus Gary doesn't care that you lost the ball; he's gonna take it from you again. So I knew I needed to address that. Being early to the practice for it, you know, Lindell. If we practice at three o'clock, he's. I'm telling him if you want to be a pro, like bro, your coach prom shouldn't have to tell you to get to the floor at two forty. You know, so taking advantage, getting him to buy in, being a committed defender playing at the right gears and speeds. When we first started started working with Liddell, it was all one speed, teaching them how to change speeds. Probe without getting too deep where there's nothing there. Because normally he's just a scorer. He's not a great passer, so he would get in too deep, uh, keeping, the defense, keeping the defense on his heels while being under control. And then his fundamentals, shooting, minimizing movements. So Liddell wasn't a great shooter. So, like, what I tried to do was just create great rhythm. Like, when he can get in great rhythm, he can make up for his lack of basketball or shooting uh, mechanics. So, I told him we just want to shoot off our fingertips so he has great touch. As you can see in the clip, we really wanted to work on floaters and runners because his floater before was non-existent. Um, footwork and timing, working on his touch, change of speed. And then the last part was skill specific to the role. You know, like how we play, our ball screens, we do a lot of chases, we do a lot of drags, drag re-screens, step-ups. So I tried to get his scoring as much out of the flow of what we did. Like I said, he played with Nate Babb. Nate Babb was a great point guard. So, like, he was constantly being in positions where he could catch it on the weak side against the rotation. And if he could feel good about attacking a nail, he was going to play good. He was going to be more engaged. So that was just – that's just kind of an example – of my kind of player development. And, and I was so blessed that I had the freedom to like kind of do it my way at Iowa State. Um, the coach asked me earlier about one of the downfalls of player development, right? I think that I, like, I've been developed for like the last 10 years. 
you know, to develop myself into a really good player development guy. But us as player development guys, unless you're in the NBA where they have one on staff, we don't get to do it year round. You know, it's like, I'm going to go work out with him, then he's going to Pacific, right? So I was really excited to see, like, if I'm around this guy year-round, how I could develop his game. So, you know, Lindell was kind of my guinea pig, and I, I feel like it was a success on, um, on all fronts. Um, the I, I want to run through this real quick. Hopefully it doesn't take forever to load. If it does, does anybody, like, while it is loaded, does anybody have any questions about that? Yeah, just a quick question for you, uh, Nick. What, what, do you, what do you do to measure success? Is it something that you set out with a goal? We're going to get to where you're, uh, you started at 60% free throw. We want to just improve you to a number, 65, or is it, is, what do you do to measure that success to quantify it? Mm. Yeah, like, I don't know. For me, it's a lot about feel. You know, um, I think – well, no, I take that back. So, you you got to think. I worked out Chauncey and Jimmer. A lot of times I worked them out together. So, to me, like, that, that's the standard. When you're talking about guard play, work those guys. So, like, how can I get – like, it's almost like I'm saying, can I get this guy skilled enough to, like, fit in a workout with them? Like, when I'm working out Jimmer and Chauncey, is makes. It's not shots. It's makes. Sometimes when I get this hot shot college kid that thinks he's a good shooter, I'll have him work out with Chauncey and Jimmer. He thinks he's a good shooter, and it's like, all right, we about to, you know, sometimes we'll go where one person is just like, you, like, make five, make five, make five, and there's three of them, like, by yourself. No, Chauncey, step, step up, then you're a good shooter. And you five for you five for eight, five for nine, five for ten. Like I don't have to say anything to you, Coach Frey. Don't have to say anything to you. You know what I mean? One of the things that was crazy, you know, this is kind of off topic, but like Jimmer is great about being a great mentor by example. So he'll work. I never got this. These kids telling me they want to be pros, Coach Perry. They work out with Jimmer. Work out with Jimmer. End of the workout, they get on the phone and go get on Snapchat. Jimmer says, okay, he's going to do the Spurs 100 after the workout by himself. They see Jimmer shooting 100 threes off game actions, no breaks, no water breaks after the workout. And I'm looking at them, and I'm like, this dude's a millionaire. He's giving you the blueprint, but you on Snapchat. Um, so, but to get back on topic, yeah, so like getting them to the point where they go from to like eventually getting to makes, you know what I mean? Because when I do chamber, it's, it's makes. One of the PDFs that I'll leave you with, I won't go over is like uh, my last workout with Jimmer, I record our workouts, but you can see it's all makes. It's not shots. So game speed makes from distance. Um, so this is just kind of my formula for player development. Um, I tried to tweak it a little bit and I'll leave this, I'll, I'll, I'll attach this in the notes this PDF. Um, but I had, a, there, you know, there's a lot of trainers that ain't work for SHIT, as you guys know. So I kind of wrote this to parents so they could understand and just give them a blueprint. But I think it applies to, you know, like some of the stuff that we're talking about. I applied this when I was working with Lindell. So to me, the first 
the first stage of player development is laying the foundation slash correctives. I call them correctives. One of the things I noticed with NBA players, like with their strength coach, and this you guys talk to your strength coach about, each player has correctives. So, like, if they're doing workouts and they're doing lunges and bench press and this and that, before they do that, the strength coach has correctives because, as we know, as athletes, all of us have something that's, that's either weak or we overcompensate or this. For some, it may be back. For some, it may be our shoulders are tight. For some, our hamstrings. So each time they work out with their strength coach, they have corrective work. I was like, man, that should be applied in player development. And maybe you guys can do it too. Like you may be working with your guards and we're getting up pull-up jump shots. But say, for example, Lindell's correctives where his handle was loose and he needed to work on his floater and his passing. So before we got into our the meat and potatoes of what we were working on, we are going to do 10 to 15 minutes to correct it. That's, that's also the foundation work, the ball handling, the footwork, the finishing, the shooting, the scoring. And so that's the first part. I'll just run through this real quick. Hopefully this is great with me. The next one to me is progression reps. And that's... You know, laying the foundations. Once you get the correctives, they can't make hook passes. If they can't workouts. So, like progression reps after the corrective work, and that's where, um, like, what we did with Lindell, where we're getting, like, like I said, like you saw his biggest strength was he can stop on a dime. If he's got great body control, he can elevate over you. So for him, it was just a bunch of progression reps of pulling up, you know, snatch jump shot, step through floater, getting to that nail, like everything that we do, just those progression reps. So for me, and then for me, the next step, is application drills. And that's where like he would react. You saw some of the drills where he was just pulling up. We knew what he was going to do. The application drills was where I was giving him a live look where he had to read. Was I going to cut him off and he had to, you know, apply his tight handle and step back? Or was he going to body me and then be able to step off into his jump shot? And so that's kind of like my process. Foundational slash corrective, progressive, and then application. And one of the things – you. This was crazy. When I was competitive hooping, I don't think I heard my dad say, um, like he told Coach Perry, get a ball and go hoop. I don't think players hoop enough. Kevin Durant FaceTime, and he was like, the, the trainers are great, the cones are great, but you need to hoop. And you need to hoop without your head coach there, right? You need to hoop outside of your coach because you need to learn your moves. That's where you experiment. I worked out with Lindell like at eight o'clock because I didn't want prone looking down there, seeing him struggle. Right. I didn't even want to put that in prone's head, like fumbling the ball, this and that. But by the time he got to prone, I knew, and he knew if he got to that nail and he went full speed, stop and pop, he was going to make it. And now he has the trust in his coach to shoot it in the game. And so like one of the, when I was at Iowa state, I could not believe this. Once our season ended in March, they never played pickup without being forced by a coach until the end of school. I could not believe it. 
And so, like, I just think that's the last thing. And I think that, like, competitive hooping, I think it should be structured and unstructured. Structured, obviously, we're playing off a pin down. We're playing, you know, one-on-one with X amount of dribble. I do think that there's a space for, like, we play 32, like, 21. 32 for us, like, is, like, there's no, everything's a checkup. I think, like, playing 30 with dribble, but, like, if you're playing against really good players and you try to over-dribble, you're not going to win because you're going to be tired. But just figuring that game out. And so then I kind of even came up with what I think is my formula. Outside of your team activities, I think 35% game speed and skill development training, 25% structured hooping, 10% unstructured hooping, 15% uh, I think I, I think it's 15% film breakdown. And this morning I was probably still half sleep. 15% fundamental maintenance work. Percent mental development. Like I said, I really believe that like we need to look at every opportunity we get with these guys on the court to develop them uh, mentally. And I think that even when you talk about mental development, I think it's really broad. I think that we should break that down. I like the word mental maturity. When I was working with Lindale, like mentally, he was mentally immature. Make a mistake, look all up and look down and come on, man, and hit the wall and all that. And so like every time I worked out, I was trying to help him mature mentally. And so that's just kind of my formula for player development. Like I said, I'm going to like put this PDF in there so you guys can have access to it. Um, and the last thing I will show you video wise, if it's working out, is just to kind of show you kind of like my attention to detail is just different than a five on five coach, which I think is great synergy, right? I remember at Iowa State, because I've looked at basketball from a player development lens for so long, um, somebody would be like, what play did they run? And I didn't know. I couldn't just write because I was looking at it from the player development lens. So this is – I was blessed uh, for the last three weeks to help Buddy Hill get ready to go back. And fortunately, we recorded, uh, we recorded his one-on-one. Is there any, why this is, hopefully this will cooperate, but why that's loading, is there any questions? I think you talked about this culture. You said you're gonna share your uh, couple questions about asking if you're sharing that uh, document. I think you said you're gonna put the PDF in. Yep. Yeah, but I'm going to put them in the comments. So. All right, let's look at this. Right, buddy, you know, right here, strong, big, right? He wants to smoke. Uh, like most professional players drive. This is where you see a lot of young players there, boy, he's looking for the smoke. He's a strong guy, and this tells us that we got to get in the weight room, get our legs, get our shoulders strong so we can absorb that contact. 
get into our shot right here. Let's go break this down. Look at this slow. All right. Let it catch up. So my thing is, you see a lot of people swiping. Here's what I really, the first thing I noticed, one, look at look how low he is when he attacks. Look at his shoulders, look at his body, right? As strong as he is, as big as he is, to get it out of the position. With somebody going down, I feel that's a lot to cover. But right now, he swipes to find your body. He's trying to get into his chest. He knows if he can get into his chest right here, uh, they, that defender's on the move going downhill. I put my strength on him, right? Now I can create space or maybe even get a foul call. But I thought that that was a big thing for me, seeing him swipe, looking to get into his chest, looking for contact. Not swipe to release, swipe to engage in contact. Now that creates space. Look at look at the way that that blow. Look at once he puts that shoulder into him. Look how the defender reacts. Man, look at the balance of buddy. Sizes of the shot right here, right here. He knows that he wants you. So in order to keep his hands engaged or disengaged down low, to come in here just like the he takes that as long as possible as he's measuring up the shot. And that kind of delays the contest. Let's look at that full speed one more time, and we'll be done. So I thought that I thought that kind of explains how like I see the game. And so like when I was at Iowa State, I'm watching film with the players, but it's kind of a different lens. And um, what I found out is like as 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 you guys at the college level, man, just kind of giving them the film like that in small doses really helps. Um, I, I kind of put, I'm a sweat equity owner into this platform that I'm playing off of. So the cool thing about that is like I can I can send that I can do the voiceover and send them a shareable link to go straight to their phone. Um uh and I've got a lot of engagement back from college players and you know a lot of times those guys aren't really the ones to respond. So it's cool it, it's great to see that that they're responding to it. But that's just kind of like my my niche and my specialty and it's more of like look at the spacing look at this so they kind of go kind of go hand in hand and that like I said my thing at Iowa State was like my big experiment and the last video I'll show you is probably the most significant to me we talk about holistic training we talk about my why um Lindale like I, I told you about how when we first connected he was angry he wasn't playing well he felt he felt like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders and, uh, you know, he, he trusted me, he opened up and he let me help him not only as a basketball player and a man, and this is kind of the result. This is my paycheck. I was a GA, so I wasn't getting paid a lot of money. So this, this is my paycheck. I'll let that load for like I'll let that load for a few seconds. But uh, while I do, um, was there was there any questions um, on that on the? On
video thing. Um, it, was, it was great about uh, you come to try where you get around like other people as well. So they were really open and talking. But one of the things that I thought was impressed at how strong he is in person, but how shifty he is with his weight. And he was just telling me about how, you know, he didn't develop his change of speed until he got to the NBA level. Chauncey Phillips told me the same thing. And that's one of the biggest things that I hear from a lot of guards. Like, you may be able to get away with not having the change of speed um, at the co- collegiate level, but you definitely need it at the professional levels. One of the things, especially being around Chauncey, is that I try to do with the college guards that I work with is that I can get them to really optimize their change of speed at the college level. That's really going to, especially in, you know, ball screening centric uh, basketball, which we're in, that's really going to allow them to take their game to the next level. All right, here we go. So this is, this is my paycheck. I don't know if you hear the audio, but that was like um, Charlie Wilson uh, and T.I. has the song I'm Blessed, it's what song, and that was him and his mom's jam. And so the same Lindell that was angry, that was confused, that had the weight of the world on his shoulder, um, that was in Thanksgiving when we went to our Thanksgiving tournament. This was like on December the 9th, like completely different kid. And what made me feel good was the first thing he wanted to do was just kind of like you know, take a moment to thank God. Like, we would go to Buffalo Wild Wings after the game, so this was right after the game. And so, for me, that's kind of like the full circle of kind of like the the holistic um, development. And, you know, just real quick, I'll just segue into, you know, uh, Brian Mitch in my book. Um, I can't believe, like, it sounds cool to say, but I really uh, wrote a book. And the book was written when I was at Iowa State. I don't know how I did it. I was a graduate assistant going back to graduate school after not being in school for 13 years. By the way, I had my first 3.0 semester in college. I had a 3.5, um, but doing the player development and doing all that and wrote a book. But I wrote the book based on, you know, the premise that, you know, these kids, man, they need a lot of mental health, like Coach Perry said. They need a lot of support. So I just wrote basketball theme devotionals to them. I was writing it to Lindell. I was writing it to kids that I saw both on the male and female team. And the feedback that I got was uh, was was overwhelmingly positive from them. They said it's something that they can relate, they can understand. And so like, I'm going to give you guys the advanced copy, um, the PDF. And if you give me a few moments of your time, I'd love to just kind of like, one, I would love you know, hopefully, like, I would love for it. If any of you guys feel moved to endorse it, I really appreciate it. Like, I put my, as much as I love basketball, I put my life on hold, grinding my butt off, like, to, to in order for this to come to fruition. I mean, I've slept in cars, um, traveling the country, doing basketball training, um, just to, like, save money um, to put this out. Just because not, 
I, I hope that I, I believe that like God will open the door for me to, you know, be able to to be more financially comfortable. But it's bigger than that. You know, it's to me this book is so like the kids that I'm not able to be around can have that those moments like Lindell had. But I just uh, this is my baby. So it's uh, and, and I love to tell this story. God in basketball. The reason it's called God in basketball. As I'm writing it. I don't know her story. And I'm at this Chick-fil-A Nation of Coaches and find out as I'm writing this story that James Naismith was a youth pastor and he was ministering to kids in the pulpit at church. And he realized that I'm not getting through to these kids. They're not paying attention to me. So he went home and invented basketball to win souls for God and develop Christ-like character. As I, That was just affirmation to me that like I wanted to to write this book and you all like this literally is God's game it was God breathed God touched the heart of a passionate you know guy that wanted to make a difference like us in the, in the lives of young people and that's literally how he invented basketball so um, that's kind of the spirit in which this book was written um, I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna read it to you. I, I just. I think it's really cool the layout. So like when you get the book, if somebody has a, a print copy of the book, it's gonna look like this. So there's gonna be kind of a culture basketball image on the left side, like so. Right here, and then the right side. I think that'll really speak to youth, speak to real hoopers like us, coaches. The right side will be the devotional. This one, God's recipe ain't always sweet. And then each uh, devotion, each devotional, there's 51, will have a soundtrack that they can listen to and they can download the playlist on Apple or Spotify. And everything is basketball related. Um, you know, this one speaks to a kid that, like, his, he's a freshman and his coach brought him in and said they weren't renewing his scholarship. And he was mad. He was angry. And I kind of just told him, I said, you know, God has a recipe for your life. And all the ingredients aren't as sweet as frosting. You know, and I said, if the cake lacked ingredients, it wouldn't fulfill its purpose. It wouldn't taste right. In your recipe, they don't taste sweet. They're not going to be frosted. Corn doesn't taste good. Egg doesn't taste good. But it has to go in your recipe. And so just a bunch of things that we could all relate to. So. You know, I, I would love for you guys to read it. And I would love, I will make a quote card or whatever. You can post it on your social media. Um, as you guys know, like word of mouth is huge. And, and hopefully it's something that you guys feel comfortable um, endorsing to those that you have uh, influence over. So I'm excited to share that with you. Yeah, awesome, awesome stuff, uh, Nick. Definitely awesome, man. Well, you, uh, I know we've talked about this. I know we talked a little bit about Chauncey and Jimmer and uh, Lindell. Um, you touched on Buddy Hill with your video. Uh, will you tell us about, I know me and you have talked about this off um, this particular Zoom, but tell us about a Julian Stone, that story and that quote, if you don't mind. I don't know if you have it or if you remember it, but that would be great. Stone, um, he actually has the quote on the back of my book. Um, and Julian um, made it to the NBA. Um, 
and reached out to me once he was uh, he wasn't no longer in the NBA. He played. He played. I don't know if you remember. He played for UTEP. And Julian um, I endorsed the book, and his quote was basically like, "I was in a dark place." Speaking to Coach Perry, this is a guy in the NBA. He was like, I was in a dark place. I was depressed mentally, spiritually. And I hired Nick because I heard of his as a trainer. I thought I was just getting a good trainer. And he became much more than that. He became a brother, but he became somebody that led me out of my depression, you know. And it was through the foundation of his faith that gave him purpose, that gave him hope. And he, he credits Steph for helping him get back to the NBA when a lot of people said he wasn't. And then going back overseas to uh, make really good money and win a, a Euro League championship. Awesome, man. Awesome. Let's segue that right into uh, open for questions or comments, either one for uh, for Coach. Thanks for that presentation, man. That was great. I know. I know. One person already said that they can't wait to get the book, Deontay Ferguson. Um, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I know. Coach Shelley was talking about uh, she couldn't wait for the PDS. So uh, definitely a lot of great content that people are excited about. Uh, Dante, I'll, I'll pick on you, man. I know you. I know you're uh, got your video on. If you don't mind. Um, Go ahead and share some words with Coach. I know, I know you're a frequent Zoomer and a, and a student of the game, so you'll bring some grace. Uh, what's going on, Coach? Um, I guess one of the one of the yeah, things, what's going on? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. Uh, I guess one of the biggest one of the questions that I had that I written down is like, of course, like. With the whole in-season development, I know a lot of it comes from watching film with X player or in a group setting with the players or however you want to do it. Um, what other, I guess, what other techniques that you use as well as far as like, I guess, getting, let's say, let's say, like you were saying, Lindell possibly was in a slump. Like, how do you get that player out of that slump? Besides, watching that film, yeah. No, I think that's a good question. Like for me, Sutton, um, those of you guys that are old, you may remember the Big Country. Big Country was as, had as dominant a three-year run as anybody. I remember me and my dad laugh all the time, but like big country was here. He started off great. And then all of a sudden he just hit the slump where he sucked. I mean, he was awful. And so like being around my dad and coach Sutton and Bill Self, seeing how they deal with it, I think it was naturally ingrained with me. I think you just have to have a feel for the situation. Like Lindell, like player, right? Like, Lindell, like, he carries the waiter. Like, he was supposed to be the first player from Nova Scotia to go to the NBA. He carries the, the he carries that weight around with him all the time. And so it was just like getting him out of his head. You know, so we work out late at night, maybe put on his play. 
playlist, who's his favorite, Jay-Z. So he thinks Jay-Z's too bold. So like we may put a playlist and he'll put a song and I'll put a song. Next thing you know, he's just having a good time getting them out of his head. You know, like a lot of visualization and stuff like that. You know, so I just think having a feel and having that connection, you know, with somebody, you know, where it's just, and I, I think that that struggling, sometimes coaches, we put so much pressure on ourselves as well. And so like Lindell has pressure, the coaches have pressure. So now they can't really help him relieve his pressure. Yeah, great. Uh, great question, Dante. Great question. Um, Coach Hewitt was actually talking about this. I heard him on the Zoom recently talking about the same pressure you're talking about. Uh, talked about uh, kids in this generation may have more pressure than any kids that have played because of social media, because of, um, you know, kind of their circles back home, um, because of all those things. So what would you suggest as you talked about it, even yourself, the pressure you have playing for your dad? Uh, and maybe nobody, none of the assistant coaches maybe understood that. So what would you tell us now that you've been in the college basketball space, Coach, and you've also now uh, been outside of that space as this player development outside of uh, a college staff, what would you suggest for um, so Vince Walden from AM? He called it leaning in. A lot of what you're talking about is leaning in to getting to know the player, asking them the deeper question, uh, knowing that there's probably something going on he doesn't want to tell if you just stay on the surface. So to lean in to actually kind of figure out what's going on with him personally, what suggestions would you have uh, in general for us as coaches at college level or high school level um, to be able to have a better connection and understanding for our players to be able to develop them better? Because what it sounds like a lot of what your, your, your skill and gift is, is connecting with the player so there's a trust and an understanding, and then and then obviously the basketball part, you add on top of that, which makes it even better. Um, and sometimes as college coaches, we're just trying to hit the basketball part only and not maybe leaning in and developing that relationship at a deeper level where we have a connection. So what – I know I'm kind of asking a long-winded question, but just summarizing some of the things you said, what would you suggest if you had to say one or two things to college coaches and the college staff uh, that can maybe not have you there? So – what, what what should we be adding to our own tool belt? Um, I think that, like, one of the biggest things I see is, like, coaches need to embrace uh, getting help from mental health experts. I mean, you see the NBA trending that way, to, to coach you at this point, and, and really doing it. You know what I mean? I was talking to Prentice's mom, Coach Perry, and I was just like, I think that there needs to be somebody that can support them mentally on every staff, especially at the high major level where they have the budget for it. And I think that person needs to, like, it needs to be established that that person is a part of the team, but they are also their own kind of, like, it needs to be clear, like, he doesn't necessarily, he works with them. He's not, you know, inferior to him because that's the deal, right, man? He's going to run and tell or coach you know and I think that that person needs to talk to those players like once a week that's big like I told you what Chauncey did like when I was talking one of the reasons that Lindell was successful 
is because like basically he had a therapy session. We just happened to be hooping. You know what I mean? So I think that that's important. Um, I think that having somebody like uh, I, I was trying to be a character coach um, and it didn't work out, but I think it didn't work out because I think that for me, like it's bigger than just one team. Um, but I think having somebody like that, that like, I didn't fit in at Iowa State, not in any kind of negative way. I just have a, just because of like me being the mentor, we play in Kansas, we play in Texas. Like the average coach is like, man, locked in. Like I was able to like be like, okay, we play in Kansas, but like I need to support Lindale. that I did have more of, I wish I had more of a connection with Coach from where like, I could talk to him because I was just the GX. He wasn't talking to me because all those assistant coaches, like, they're under that pressure. Like, they're trying to get to their next job. They're trying to get it. Whereas, like, I was like, you know, like, I might be a college coach, but, like, I just want to help these kids. So I don't think that I felt that pressure. So having somebody like that to kind of bring you down to earth and give you some things to think about, even if they're not on staff, you know, like I hope that I can get to a point where coaches are calling me and I'm able to be that person even from, from a remote place. Good stuff, coach. Good stuff. Uh, we'll take one more question and then uh, a couple couple closing thoughts from coach Graham and also from, uh, from Nick. Uh, I'll pull. I'll pull Coach Henderson in real quick. Uh, you know, fine. We got another, another great coach in the city of Dallas, uh, Coach Henderson. We talked earlier about uh, coaching your son. You coach your mm. older son, who just graduated recently, not too long ago. I guess it wasn't. It's been a little while now from Tulsa. Originally uh, went to Wichita State, and then now you're coaching your younger son. What, what can you add to that context uh, of conversation, coaching two of your sons? You probably learned some stuff from coaching your older son that maybe you're applying with your younger son too. Yeah, uh, thanks, Brian. I think um, what, what Coach Graham was saying earlier, um, I think it, I've learned that it's important to make sure that you separate the on-court stuff and off-the-court stuff. I would always – I would go home and take it home with us and, and continue to uh, drill about different things. And that's not always healthy. That's not good. So that was with my first one. Uh, my second son, who is 16 now, who is a rising junior. Um, I'm actually glad that he's more assertive in terms of being vocal. Uh, he basically said to me, Dad, you know, once we get home, enough is enough. And so I was actually pleased to hear that um, from a 16-year-old based on what I've gone through with my older son. Uh, but at the end of the day, our jobs are to make sure that our sons or daughters um, are given the best opportunity to, opportunities to be successful. And so in saying that, where I grew up in Houston from, in Third Ward, you know, went to Texas A&M, finished there, played overseas, um, 
you know, I think hard work, um, putting God first, um, and continuing to make sure that they understand what planning and organization goes on. I think those those things are, are, are so important. Um, but but making sure you separate basketball and being a parent are so important. So so important. I know we are all ultra competitive. Um, and, and Coach Graham said it earlier, and Nick said it as well. I mean, I've been at ESD for 17 years now, and I would not still be there if my teams were not competitive and I had not won the championships we won. Um, I was able to, I was able to do those things early on to extend my tenure at the school. Um, and so I, I owe that all to uh, not only my sons but. My my extended family, who are the players that play So, yeah, appreciate that, coach. Coaches coached uh, Bill Pressy, who played along with Missouri, played in the NBA, and is a head coach at Episcopal School in Dallas. Uh, coach Graham, we'll take some. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Hey, Brian, can you hear me? Hello. You hear me, Lynn? I think Nick had one more thing that we're going to come right back to you, Coach Graham. Okay, cool. Yes. Hey, Coach, did you, work, uh, did you go to Saxon? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Okay, yeah. We're going to have to tell you. So remember I told you, yeah, I used to have, like, kids jumping workouts with Jimmer? Yes. He was one of them. I have to tell you about that story. You're going to get a good laugh out of that. <laughs> Listen, I, when I first got Saxon, um, it was his sophomore year. Um, I love his competitive nature, uh, but there were some things I had to – we had a we had a little bit of a rough start, so to speak. Um, you know, and so, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think – uh, he respected me enough to um, allow me to make sure that I infuse my knowledge and and my 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 coaching and even my parent hat as much as possible. I mean, his parents were the ones that that opened that door up as well. So, you know, he's playing now. Um, you know, again, a kid that just ultimately didn't listen. Um, when I'm telling him, you know, Jackson. We need to go D2, D3. He's thinking he's, he can go D1. Um, you know, and and again, I don't want to break a kid's hopes and dreams, but you have to be honest with the kid. You can't just sit up here and play with kids. And Brian knows I'm not going to blow smoke up anybody's butt. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you and tell you um, that's my kid included or my kids included. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have to put in the work. Um, you know, hell, I was working with both of mine this morning uh, at 7 a.m. and again you know, at noon. So, you know, you got to work if you want something. Yep. Yeah, great stuff. Coach Graham, if you don't mind, any closing thoughts, uh, anything you want to say about uh, our presenter today or just anything for us coaches going forward? Hey, well, guys, let, let me say this, Brian. Whoever, whoever put this together, I think it's good. Anytime you can get a bunch of 
with me. I, I'm a dinosaur, you know. Basketball is my Think and, and Lynn, you can attest to this. So many coaches nowadays make so much money. Coach that, Brown, you were, you were muted for a second. We missed a little bit. We heard you say you're a dinosaur, and then you got muted. That was probably my fault. Go ahead, Coach. Okay. No, I was I was just saying, Brian. First, let me say, anytime you can get a bunch of people together to exchange ideas and talk about experiences, it's good for the soul. You know, to hear what Corey's got to say, to hear what Lynn's been through, what you've talked about. You know, uh, even though Nick's my son, we talk about it day in and day out. But anytime you can exchange ideas, like I said, I'm, I'm right at 70 years old and I'm always listening, trying to find ways to get better to do what I do. But I think this is good. Number two is, you know, in this profession that we have chosen to get in, and, and I have a saying, Corey, that if you do three things, and Nick has heard this a million times and my daughter has heard it a million times, you put God first yourself second, and work hard. Some good going to happen. Now, what that is, I don't know, but, and I, and I, and I'll use you, and, and Byron, you know this, coaches in this profession, especially the D1 level, they make so much money. You got assistant coaches now that make half a million dollars a year, and they forget what they're in this profession for. Yep. And pressure on them, and Nick alluded to this earlier about coaching. You forget the human aspect in that you're dealing with a, a person. And I've said this a bunch of times. If I don't win another game, that's not what's going to get me to heaven. You know, that's not – the good Lord ain't going to say, man, you were 21-0, you won the state, you did this, you did this. Hey, that ain't what it's about. It's about did you feed his sheep, those young kids that you affect each and every day. That's why you're in this profession. And times have changed. Things you deal with have changed with social media and cell phones and computers. And, and you know, when I started coaching on the collegiate level, I had a roadmap, uh, uh, atlas. Uh, uh, I, I, you know, you got directions by the, go up, the guy down on the corner saying, man, where is 253 Bentley? He said, go up to the, uh, the 7-Eleven, make a right, go down that hill. If you go down the hill past the mailbox, you've gone too far. That's, that's how I recruited. Uh, I, I recruited by using stopping on the side of the road, using pay phones, making phone calls uh, and, and things like that. So the times have changed, but you have to recognize why we're we in this profession. And, 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 and Nick said it, Lynn, you, I think maybe you said it. We as coaches are teachers and, and you know, it's a great profession, uh, you know, you, but you can't you can't take all your trophies and watches and reins. Uh, that ain't going to keep you here on the earth, man. And, I think this is good to exchange ideas and to find ways for us to get better for the bottom line is to help young people, you know, and, and it's a thrill to me. And I like winning. Don't get me wrong, Brian. God, I, I like to win. Me and Lynn played a game and I beat him. He didn't speak to me for about a month. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even take my phone call, man. <laughs> That's family. We played and I didn't, I tried to get out of the game or I tried to get out of the game, but we, they made Washington State and Idaho play. And, and, and I think Nick, I mean, Lynn thought I, we ran the score up on him. And Nick could tell you, we weren't that good to run the score up on anybody. <laughs> but, but this is why you're in the profession for relationships and, 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 and talking and, and understanding. And I don't know if there's any coaches on here that's looking 
to try to move up or advance in the career, but I'd be willing and Nick and I'd be willing to talk to you about how to get in this profession, how you stay in the profession, and what are some of the hurdles and roadblocks that you're going to go through as you presume your way to try to stay in this profession long. I've been doing this for about 50 years, man. And uh, I started in 1973 uh, at, at Kimball High School. Uh, the last thing I'll tell you is you don't get anywhere in life without help. I've had a lot of people, black and white, help me. I've had a lot of people, black and white, misuse me, you know? And, and so understand that it's not about color, it's about surrounding yourself with the right people and, and, and trying to do the right thing to the best of your ability. And at the end of the day, you can look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I, I did the best job I can do. But Brian, putting this together and uh, uh, talking to people and trying to get ideas and everything, well, I think it's tremendous, man. So anything I can do with anybody on here, to help them in some way, you know, uh, I love to talk about my experiences and the things I, I've been able to do in, in my in my career. So I appreciate it, Brian. Yeah, no doubt, Coach. Great, great, uh, great stuff. I, I hope that you can, uh, if you know how to do this, and I, don't, I mean that respectfully, but in the chat, if you can put your information on how to reach you, because I know we got a couple young guys. Hey, man. Hey, man. Matter of fact, matter of fact, you, hey, you got to do me like Nick. Y'all tell, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna tell you, Lee, I'm gonna tell you how Nick does, man. I'll ask Nick when I'm trying to do some computer. And he'll just say, Dan, all you got to do is do that. I said, Nick, he said, I'm going to show you this one time. I'm gonna <laughs> and so, so you need to learn how to do this. I said, man, I, I don't need all that. I just learned how to do this yesterday, man. But, but, but my, Brittany will do me the same way. My wife will do me the same way. You don't know how to do that? I just, hey, Lynn, they just bought me some of them, uh, what you call them things you put in your ears? Ear, earbuds. <laughs> I got some of them. And so now... <laughs> You know, I'll get them in there. I'll be talking so loud. I say, Dad, if you pull it out, you know, we can hear you, man. So <laughs> don't, don't ask me. No, you ask Nick. He'll get you that. Nah, he, Nick, Nick, Nick just got you set up. He got you set up in the in the, in the chat. So I know we got Coach Brian, who's a young up-and-coming coach, and Coach Ferguson, uh, and, and I'm sure there's some others I'm not mentioning, but those guys will be – it will be great for them to reach out to you for sure, uh, along with myself. You know, I've always had the utmost respect for you coaching. Uh, always have been just somebody I've looked up to as far as a model of a career. I mean, you don't get much more successful than what you've done and what you continue to be able to do as far as well, impacting young people. So glad to have you on today, Coach. We'll we'll let we'll let our other OG, uh, Coach Perry, say a few words, and then uh, we'll give it back to Nick, and then we'll shut it down. As always, Brian, all, all access. This coach's corner has been phenomenal um, during this quarantine. Um, along with rising coaches, it's, uh, these formats are just like like Coach Graham said are unbelievable. Um, I'm tickled pink that uh, I was able to to be on here with Coach Graham and then and then be able to present with with, with Nick, who I've known forever, literally all his life. Um, we go but for the for the rec for the record too. I couldn't even say much after you introduced him. I almost shouldn't say anything because you did such a great job. I had to step out of the way. <laughs> Hey I, hey, I didn't hear that introduction, man. That's well, my well, guy. I have to, well, to make sure you hey. get the replay, but I think Nick was Lynn, even looking like, around. Nick, Nick must have sent Lynn some money or something. Nah. I gave him the Ray Charles introduction. <laughs> 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 no, it's been, uh, it's been good um, to, to watch Nick grow and and uh, any anything. I've always said this uh, throughout my entire lifetime, the job that Coach Graham and his wife have done raising 
uh, Nick and Brittany has been just unbelievable. Um, their, their mother, their, their mother did a great job. Yeah, they, she she did an outstanding job, but, but you you've done a great job as well. Um, your children are exceptional human beings, and they always have been. I've always admired that uh, from afar. And um, to watch to watch Nick do his thing, um, keep growing, and in any way that I can help him, and he knows that. Um, any way I can help him doing whatever he's doing, watching him live his dreams. Um, I, I've always been all in, but, but I'll always be all in with him. And uh, this has just been a, a, a great teaching too. Yeah, thank you for that, Coach. And we're definitely grateful to All Access. Uh, grateful to Rising Coaches for allowing us to be able to join uh, together and do this and have this platform. Uh, phenomenal job by Nick. Uh, if you hey, Brian, can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please. Hey, hey, I'd like to say this. It's my son and, and watching him grow. The one thing about Coach, and Corey, you probably can attest to this. You, you are so proud of him. To watch him to watch compete and to watch him, you know, to watch him do things. And sometimes because of the because of the pressure and, and, and the fast moving of what you're doing, sometimes you don't have time to tell him that. But you know, I'm watching him play against Stanford and I'm watching him hey, I, hey Lynn, I'm watching him go at Richard Jefferson and Gilbert Arenas and and and, and you're watching him compete and and you and Corey, you know, you don't have time enough to put your arm around and tell him that because you got to move on to the next to the next deal. And and and, and but boy, when I, when you're by yourself and you're alone, and when you're having your quiet time and read your Bible, it brings tears to your eyes because you say that's your son, you know. And, and you don't, guys, you don't have time enough. So ingrained in trying to win the next game, or, or you know, you know, that's what happens to you in this profession. It'll drive you like that. And you say, damn, man, you know, that's my son out there. And, and, and to watch him do something and succeed at it. Uh, I remember one of Nick's first games when he was the first playing against Gonzaga, you know. Uh, and, and he had to get to – and he he's trying to appease me and, and run the plays and do everything he wanted to do. And, and so as a father and a coach, you're so proud of him, but you're so close together that you don't have time to say that. And sometimes you just got to throw it out there sometimes, you know, and – and uh, because you think you're so hard-nosed or you tough or you this and you this, and you forget to be humble and loving all at the same time, you guys, if that makes sense, you know. Boy, you probably coaching your son and Lynn, you know, it, you, you forget that, man. Yeah, Brian, if I can say something really quick, I think, I mean, <laughs> Coach, you, you're exactly right. I mean, I lost both of my parents seven years ago, two months apart. Um, and that was probably the, the most tragic thing that I've gone through. Well, my dad was, was, was sick, um, and it was not like it wasn't expected, but my mom was not sick. And so I say that to say I had to do a total 360 because I spent so much time in the gym. I was either in the gym, at church, or at home. Um, and so I didn't allow myself to take breaks. I didn't allow myself to, to go on a vacation um, you know, I just turned 47. So, right. so it, it's, it's, you have to make sure you take care of yourself, but you also have to make sure that your kids, you know, you, you're an example for your kids and they, they really watch what you do. It's not all the yes. time what you say. It's, it's, it's lean by example, servant leadership. So in saying that, you know, I had to make sure that 
you've got to balance it out. You know, right. this world is not right. a nice world. It's not a nice world. So you got to put your arm around them, but you also have to say, okay, I'm, I'm done hugging you. Let's get back yeah. to work. Yeah. You know, yeah. Let's, let's get back to work. Um, and then the last thing, you know, I've learned over a period of time that you've got to tell people you love them every day, um, every minute, every hour, because you just, you don't know, you know, you don't know when it's going to be your time. Well, you don't I just know, lost, um, we just lost a parent um, Saturday, um, you know, had a heart attack, 59 years old. Um, and so, you know, it's just, you just don't know. So, you know, you're exactly right there, Coach. Yeah, ton of wisdom. Appreciate that. Uh, appreciate you guys taking it there. I think it's important at all times. But all time dealing with right now, not knowing if that fall or school or how that whole dynamic is even going to look. So, push things in perspective without a question. Telling people you love them. Uh, the mental health Nick talked about earlier, uh, and just taking the time out to not only just push people but also love people is the most powerful weapon we have. Uh, so. I'll close uh, real quick with Rising Coaches. We'll get we'll get the uh, the replay for this out so that people can be able to watch it um, as well. We'll share that with everyone. But uh, thanks so much, Nick. Man. Much respect. Feel about you, man. Excited. More people are getting to learn uh, how powerful your gifts are and what you do for the game of basketball, and not only that for for the kingdom of Christ and helping people. Uh, just to be their best version of themselves. I think that's what you do best. So we'll let you close, my man. No, I just, uh, I appreciate it. You know, like, um, I spend a lot of time praying and just like connecting with God. And one of the things that he told me, um, which is why I think is so cool. And, and I, I just encourage you guys um, to tell that story um, about like our game. Like that is literally God's game. But like to me, basketball is my fellowship. And so like being here amongst you guys, like I live for that. You know, I rejoice with that. So I just would love for you guys to stay in touch with me so I can fellowship. Um, because at the end of the day, when you're talking about life, you know, it's about fulfillment. And fulfillment comes from memories, you know, and, and sharing memories and sharing moments and stuff like that. So, you know, I just love for you guys to be a part of my basketball journey. That, uh, and I'd love to be a part of yours. And whatever I can do to help you guys, um, support your players you know that's what i feel like my purpose to do so please use me as a resource that's my that's my service that's my service so yeah awesome coach awesome and then tell us real quick uh, about the book and how we can kind of plug into that as it's about to come out yeah so i should be finding a release date here pretty soon um a way to stay in contact with me is social media obviously like to promote my book, to promote my uh, training, I had to do social media. So I put my number there. So if you're not a social media person, please take my number. But if not, my social media is just culture or dot. Just the word culture, O-R-D-I-E, culture or dot. Um, and if you could, like they told me, so the way it works, um, you really want to get great pre-sales when you sell a book. Um, because, you know, with Amazon.com, it's, it's just the algorithm. So when you really get a good pre-sale, now all of a sudden when you go on Amazon, your book will pop up anytime they search basketball or book or whatever. And that's where you have to get to. So if you really want to support me in the book, obviously um, tell people about it, encourage them to. But when that pre-sale hits, once you get it, 
you know, just leave a review, a five-star review that will really help me. Well, thanks again, Nick. Thanks again, Coach Graham. We're normally on every Tuesday, 5 p.m. Central. Uh, we have a special edition today with, with, with Nick, so we wanted to make sure we provided everybody. But uh, obviously, All Access Coaches Corner and Rising Coach is the best way to find us. And everybody stay safe and keep growing, keep impacting. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the All Access Network. Be sure to follow, share, and stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe and hit that notification bell on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to write your story, leave your mark, and create your legacy.